All right, so we are starting this brand new series, Overwatch, and we're calling today's discussion, There is a Clear and Present Threat. There is truly spiritual threat today, and uh, the enemy is set on destroying all that God has created. He is against everything that he is for. He is against you. He is out to stop you. He is out to deceive you. He is out to impose threats upon you, but he is powerless over you when you are walking in faith. He is powerless over you when you are exercising what you have been called to be. We don't have to fear his threats, his work, when we stand in who we are in Christ. Now, what's interesting is that because perhaps, and maybe you've had this experience in your life, uh, because you've seen some misuses sometimes in church uh, and abuses of spiritual warfare, and you've seen some oddities, you might have just checked out on the whole thing and thought, that's all too weird. I'm done with that stuff. I'm out. You might have chalked it up to mysticism. The world would like to take a lot of what is truly spiritual attack and call it uh, behavioral issues or emotional issues, or even personality issues in an attempt to downplay the reality of what they are and dismiss the reality of what they are. I'm not saying that every uh, behavioral, emotional, or mental issue is always a spiritual issue, but often it is. So it's important for us as men to recognize that and discern what is from the enemy what is the threat, and how do we assess it and then deal with it? Because that's what we've called to be, is those kind of men who are assessing the threat and protecting those around us, right? That's why we're told to put on the whole armor of God, and it covers all of who we are. That's why we find passages like 1 Thessalonians 5.23, which is uh, in sync with our, our message series, where Paul said, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul's talking about the spirit, the essence of who we are, our soul, that part we've defined as the mind, the will, and the emotions. We know from the New Testament we are told to renew our minds. We'd have our will conformed to God's will. So God is in the process and is... Uh, urging us to have every part of who we are, our thoughts, our emotions, and our will, all conformed to him, submitted to him. This is why Jesus gave his disciples authority over the whole being. When he sent them out in Luke 10, Jesus said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Of course, the disciples go out and they come back and they're amazed at how much this authority given to them has an impact in the lives of people because they saw people healed, they saw people set free, and that's why Jesus says here, I'm giving you power over the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. If you're walking in the faith and in the, in the reality of this, this is true. This is why we find Peter writing in the New Testament, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around or walks about like a roaring lion, 
seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. You and I are called, as men, to be sober, be clear-minded. Don't be drunk on all that the world offers you. Don't have your mind clouded and, and fuzzed over by all that's happening in the world. Be vigilant, be on guard, be alert at all times. You've got to have your head on 360 mode. You've got to be swivel. You've got to be looking. You've got to be alert. You've got to all the time be aware, be clear-minded, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is on the prowl. He's looking to deceive you. He's looking to take your wife, your children, and those under your care captive. And we are called to have that responsibility of assessing and removing the threat. Amen? Yeah, we are. So let's, let's break this down a little bit because uh, we have to understand what we're talking about. We're talking about spiritual warfare. We've talked on Sunday mornings about this idea of the difference between the spirit and the soul. The soul being that term, um, it, it's the Greek word uh, suke, or we get the word psychology from it. I believe in the New Testament uses the word soul. It's referring to our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's different than our spirit. The spirit is the core of who you are. The spirit is what is redeemed at your time of spiritual birth. Your spirit is what is made one with Christ. The spirit, your spirit, is where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Bible says it has united with us and become one. It's really not that the Holy Spirit lives in us like we're a, a, a holiday inn. He has come in and taken up residence and become one with us. He's not coming in and going to leave someday to head off somewhere else. He's come in, made us new, united with us, and is not leaving. This is what he does. So in that place of the Spirit is where you find things like your identity. That's not a function of your emotions. That's not a function of your mind or even your will. That's a function of your essence of who you are, your identity. That's there in your spirit. Uh, your real worth your assessment of who you are as a man is a function of your spirit. Faith is a function of your spirit. That's not a function of your mind because sometimes we choose to do things that our mind hadn't caught up with, right? Sometimes we do things that our emotions haven't caught up with. Your sense of purpose is a function of your spirit. Your strength not physical strength, but your, your spirit strength to stand strong against temptation, to stand strong in the faith. That's a function of your spirit. That's not a function of your emotions or your mind or even your will. Real desire to seek God is a function of your spirit. Uh, your conscience is in your spirit. That's why sometimes you'll have a sense of this is a right decision to make, even though I don't logically understand why this is the right decision to make. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we'll make decisions that might not logically make sense, but we are clear that God has told us to make that decision, right? So even your intimacy with God is a function of your spirit, not just your emotions. Uh, when you meet with God or when we gather as the church on Sunday mornings, we're not trying to drum up some emotional experience. We're trying to help people see the reality of God's presence with us because that's a function of your spirit. Uh, forgiveness is something that happens in your spirit. Forgiveness is not just an emotion. Forgiveness is not just a function of your mind. Forgiveness is a function of your spirit. That's why you can forgive someone and still have to walk through the process of letting it go sometimes in your emotions, in your mind. Freedom 
is a function in your spirit, not a function of your mind. Confidence is a function of a man's spirit, who he is inside. This is what gives uh, David courage to face a giant. This is what gives uh, Paul the courage to face Roman officials. This is what happens in us when God gives us courage deep inside that's greater than even what might even seem logically right in the moment. Hope, vision, understanding, courage, those are all functions of the spirit. And this is what the enemy wants to take hold of and destroy in you these areas. Because if he can stop you from living in the reality of these, you'll be set up for destruction. So let's talk about this for just a moment. What happens to a man's mind, emotions, and will if any of these areas are compromised with lies? What happens? Tell me some things. What happens in a man's emotions or his thoughts or even his own choices if He's compromised in any of those functions of his spirit. Yes, instead of confidence, you start becoming insecure and uncertain. Yes, what else, Jim? Yes, when there's no clear concept of forgiveness inside and the reality of that, you start living in guilt and shame and that starts messing with every part of you at that point. It'll start messing with your emotions. It'll start messing with your thoughts. It'll mess with your will even. What else? Complacency, yeah. It'll, it'll come in all of a sudden. You start questioning your purpose. You stop buying into the truth of who God says you are. You'll start drifting off into just complacent lifestyle. Good. What else happens when lies happen in this area? Envy and anger. Yes. You start looking at other people and become envious. You become angry because you don't have what they have. You get your sights off of what God has given to you. Good. What else? What are some other things? John? These, are, these all appear to be, to me, to be um, like deep heart desires. Yes. Yep. And, and, and a lot of that you know, anger, you're going to medicate for it. You, you'll look to, to, to find your identity, satisfy your desires, find your confidence and your worth in your work and yep. any other slew of It's true. These are things that can only come from God. You can look from other places. You can attempt to find this in your work. You, people can attempt to find this in a drug, in a bottle, in something else, in entertainment, in pleasure, but it will not be satisfied. These are functions of the spirit that God alone can fulfill in a man. And this is what he intends to do. This is what it means to be filled with the spirit is in these areas. Okay, what else? What happens in a man's emotions and mind and will if any of these are compromised with lies? Yes, yes. All of a sudden, instead of this direction that God had for you, you drift off and you find yourself maybe still busy, maybe still very active, but you know you're not on the right path. What else? That's good. Yes. Yeah. It does. And all of a sudden, and then we do a... a a terrible thing as men, we start replacing that with 
a facade. Yeah. The, the intimacy with him is gone, and so we get around other people and we think, eh, I gotta still look like I have intimacy with God, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna fake it till I make it kind of deal, you know? And all of a sudden we're back in that mode of pretending, and that happens a lot in churches. Instead of just dealing with it straight up, okay, God, um, uh, something's drifted here. I need to come back to center and, and make things right and do what's right. We, we get off course and lose the intimacy. Mark? Okay. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. Yes. If your eye be evil, then the body will be full of darkness. It's true. Single minded toward the Lord. Yep. You're going to have light in your life. If you are double minded or light or whatever, it just compromises everything. It's true. And this is where the enemy is focused. Because if he can deceive you in these areas, he'll put out the light. You'll drift off course. You'll lose the intimacy. So as we go through this study, our goal will be to see where is the enemy seeking to attack these areas in me and in those I love. And I will now stand against him. I'll assess the threat and I will fight against his work. This gives us our marching orders as men. This helps us truly be overwatch. We're the men who have been put into our family's life and the people around us to be that oversight and overwatch, always aware of what's happening, assessing the threat, and then taking the action necessary to remove the threat. Because you and I are actually called to be more than conquerors. That's who we've been made to be. That's who we're called to be, and that's what we must take the steps to be. David? Yep. Yes. Yep. 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 Yep, yep. It's true. And the enemy will is deceptive. Man, he's slick. And you gotta be always on guard because he likes to, he likes to sneak in with things like a, a spirit of, 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 of victimhood. If he can deceive you into thinking you're a victim, he's got you. And all of a sudden, every thought, every emotion, every choice of your will will be redirected and you'll lose your identity, your worth, faith, purpose. Someone even said this past week, uh, I thought this is so insightful. Poverty is a spirit. It's not just a function of your bank account. And if someone can be convinced you're really poor, they'll live poor. Spirit is a, a poverty, poverty is a spirit that comes into a person and it's not something that can be solved by government handouts. It's not ever the government's function to try to solve poverty. That's a function that must be established first in Christ. You come to him poor in spirit, and then you can be made wealthy, and then you'll begin to function in confidence and know how to get a job, hold a job, earn a living, care for those around you. Poverty 
is a spiritual matter first. There's so many areas like that that we are going to learn to be on the alert for and remove from our own life and those around us, right? All right, let's talk about some things here on the back for just a moment because the enemy does enter in and he's deceptive and I've listed just some of his deceptions that he is targeting your spirit with. Not just your thoughts, not just your emotions, not just your will, but your spirit. Because if he can convince you at the core of these things, he'll trap you. For example, I am unlovable. I am powerless and incapable. I am too flawed to be used by God. God will not work in my life. God's word is not really true for today. I have to prove my worth before I can be cared for. I have to get revenge to protect myself. I have to make everyone happy. I have to perform in order to gain God's favor. Or God is withholding good from me. Those are all deceptive statements that the enemy makes that are directed at your spirit to try to keep you from being the man that God has made you to be. What are some other lies and deceptions like this that the enemy uses in our life. Yes. You're not good enough. You're, you, you, you could never be enough. Now let me just be clear and clarify some things here. I'm not talking about pop psychology for today because all of these statements in one measure are true before I come to Christ. But none of these are true in Christ. Right? Even I'm not good enough. Apart from Christ, right. In Christ, I am. I can do all things. Yes, man, that's such an easy one for men to get trapped into the performance issue. I've got to perform and I'm not doing enough to get his favor and grace. Yes, that's a deception. What else? Yes, everyone is against me. Circumstances, people. No one is for me. I'm alone. It's a deception. Jim, do you have another one? I just heard this the other day. It's right hand. People can never change. Yes, it's true. That is one that people say today. That's a lie. God is the one who redeems and resurrects people. Yep. So that, that's not true. These are subtle statements that the enemy makes and if we're not careful, we're, we will entertain them in our heads. And the day you decide to entertain it, discuss it in your head, is the day you will soon become captive to the enemy's threat. He will have come in. You will not have assessed it, and you will be taken captive. Right? So, when that happens, there begins to be um, results in our life. It begins to affect our thoughts it begins to affect our emotions. It begins to affect our will, our choices. And then come results. Then come manifestations. Then they start showing up in parts of our life. And I've just listed some, some of the ways they'll show up. They can show up as an alcohol addiction or pornography addiction. It can show up as arguments and fighting 
it can show up in social media addictions, self-abuse, stealing, panic disorders, food issues, whether they be overeating or undereating. It can show up as depression. We could go on and on. Here's where the enemy is so crafty. He wants you to think these are the root issues. These are not the root issues. These are the manifestation of people who have believed lies. That's why for someone who has an alcohol addiction, if you try to deal just with the alcohol addiction alone, you may go through a time where you help them stop with the alcohol, but if you don't deal with the root belief issue, the spiritual threat issue that was really there, that addiction will show up in another place and often shows back up as a food addiction or smoking or gambling or something else because they've not dealt with the root issue, the spiritual threat issue that was really there to begin with. Jim? Okay. It's true. So when these show up, um, they show up again in, in our emotions, they show up in our mind, and then the world again attempts to define these as um, conditions, they give them labels, they give medications. They give, um, sometimes it's needed, you know, even hospitalization in those situations. And sometimes those may be necessary. Sometimes the mental, emotional, or even physical issues are not spiritually rooted. But more often than we truly recognize, they are. There is a spiritual root to the manifestation that has showed up in the physical, in the emotions, in the mind. I, I have walked through that, as you've heard me say before. I walked through a lot of fear, anxiety, panic disorders, depression. Those alone were not the root. The root turned out for me to be that I thought my identity was in trying to perform enough to get God's favor. And when I couldn't perform enough and do enough, it produced anxiety within me, fear within me, depression within me. And I struggled until I dealt with the root belief issue. Then the results and manifestations cleared up. We're about to start a series on Sunday morning in two weeks called The Cross Heals. And we're going to go down some of this path there. You're going to hear a story of, uh, of someone in our church you're going to be floored by as you hear how God healed emotional, mental, and physical issues that this person had when they changed how they believed. Because there's far more that is spiritually rooted than we often recognize, even when it comes to physical matters within us. So... I want to draw our attention to some areas that should be uh, threats that demand high alert for us. Things that we may have dismissed, we may have denied, we may have downplayed, but from this point forward, it's important that we assess these as spiritual threats. These are inroads. These are doorways that the enemy is looking to open into your life, into your wife's life, into your children's life, into your family's life, and it is our responsibility to be the threat assessor and help them be free, and we be free. Here they are. I believe they come in groups. 
fear, anxiety, and worry. Those are all deceptions aimed at a person's spirit. This sense of, I need to panic. I need to, I need to be filled with uh, concern. I need to be uh, fearful all the time. Those are deceptive lies aimed at a person's spirit. And they're all designed to keep you from trusting in God's power because they cause you to rely on yourself. The whole package of guilt, shame, and condemnation. Man, what a powerful weapon of the enemy to use against a man, to keep him down, to keep him uh, uncertain, to keep him insecure, to keep him withdrawn, to keep him powerless. Those are all designed to keep a man from trusting God's forgiveness and to think, I have to perform. I have to get there. I have to do this. I have to... I have to make myself pay enough. I have to make myself perform enough. The whole package of bitterness, revenge, and a cr critical spirit. Man, the enemy loves to get in there and start that root in a man's life and cause him to be angry, vindictive, and uh, seek to hurt other people because he's been hurt. All designed to help us or cause us to not trust God's protection in our life, to think I have to be the one who protects myself. I have to be the one to get revenge and get justice. The package of insecurity, comparison, and jealousy. Those, those sense of looking around at other people and think, how come I don't have what they have? Why do they get to have that and I don't get to have that? That's not fair. Looking around and comparing ourselves. Those are all designed to keep us from trusting God's love. Those are all designed to cause us to look inward, to measure ourselves, compare ourselves with other people. Then there's the package of pride, resistance, and stubbornness that are all designed to keep us from trusting God's favor, to keep myself looking better than other people, not admitting that I have need, not admitting that I can, uh, I can fall in a certain area or being stubborn. Those are all tools the enemy uses aimed at our spirit then sensuality, lust, and greed designed to keep us from trusting God's provision. They keep us focused on, man, if I could just have that thing, that experience, that person, those things in my life, then I would be happy. Then I would be better off. And then finally, the group of self-hatred and, and self-rejection of looking at yourself and despising what you are and seeking to hurt yourself, seeking to uh, beat yourself up, make yourself pay for your sin in a sense, uh, is all designed to keep you from trusting in God's design for your life. These are all subtle but very clear threats that come from the enemy. And these are not to be downplayed as just, eh, that's just an emotional thing, and that's just a personality quirk. No, no, no. These are spiritual threats. And if you sense them coming into your life, it's time to run to Scripture and find out what God says about it. It's time to run to who you are in Christ and clear those up so that you can be the warrior who's on task. And when you start recognizing them in people around you, it's time to start praying. When you recognize these in your wife's life, it's time to pray. When you recognize them in your children's life, it's time to pray. It's time to do battle. It's time to take authority in your home. It's time to take authority in prayer and chase those spirits out. It's time to do that kind of battle because these are the roots of all kind of dangerous fruits, right? So 
There's some questions I want you to discuss at your table. This is just our first session today. We've got a lot more to learn, but I want us to get an overview of what it looks like today. Um, have someone be the leader at your table and discuss these and then pray at the end.